where nobody knows your name is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. Hello and welcome to Where Nobody Knows Your Name. I'm James. And I'm John. And today we'll be talking about the episode Sam's Women, the second episode of Cheers, which was broadcast on the 7th of October, 1982. Quite the throwback. Do you want to talk about the cold open, John? The cold openings are always very good. You've seen there Diane sort of, she's now well integrated into the bar kind of thing. She's showing a lot of confidence with it. And she's remembered all these drinks and she's them all down. And then ultimately she's just got the wrong table. It's such a good sort of neat piece of writing where... The setup, the payoff, so, so quick turnaround, didn't that? You know, Diane's sort of really getting into her role. She understands and she's, she's feeling confident about it. But ultimately, that's sort of swept from under because she has just put all the drinks on the wrong table. Yeah, I agree. That setup, it just really showed you that Diane's trying to make her way in this new world of hers. And she, as you said, puts all these drinks, another long list of drinks, similar to the first episode. She puts them all on the wrong table. If you sort of analyse that again... It's a really sort of neat way of setting up Diane's character as well, because the whole episode is about her as an intelligent woman. And in that scenario, rather than trying to pick up all the drinks again, she says the easiest thing and asks the people to switch. And I think that's a really sort of nice way about distinguishing how she thinks of logically working out a problem. And I think that's a big part of what this episode is. It's about her saying, I'm smarter than the woman you normally date. She, she does the whole no faff approach. She's no not going to pick up the drinks. She's You You do it. You switch tables. Zero percent faff. Zero faff. Faff free. Faff free. We're getting lots of lovely quotes out of here, James. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you noticed, but in the credits at the end of the episode, it said Keenan Wayans mm. played customer number one. I assume that was the gentleman who says those are our drinks. Now, Keenan Wayans, I recognize the name, and he is one of the people behind In Living Colour, a sketch comedy with Jim Carrey in the 90s, and also one of the producers of the first two scary movie films and White Chicks. Okay, so there's a lot of backstory for a for, one-line character. For a one-line character, and I feel this was one of his first roles, if not his first role. Keenan Wayans. Little or Keenan Wayans on the set of chairs. Little Keenan Ivory Wayans is what he goes by now. And we know that he started as customer number one. The beloved sitcom chairs. When he didn't get his drinks. When he didn't get his drinks. But he did get up and switch table. Good for him. Good for him. Good for you, Keenan. He's a good man. Good egg is our Keenan. So ultimately, the sort of premise of this episode is about Diane sort of accusing Sam of only dating unintelligent women. In this episode, opposed to the first one, we sort of had the B story of trying to help, uh, what do you call him? A former barfly? A former barfly. Perhaps. Looking for Gus. Looking for Gus. He needs to speak to Gus. Don't we all need to speak He's to Gus? He's very adamant about Gus. Go on. Do you know a Gus? Gus who? He hates that question. <laughs> yeah, this, this sort of premise is now, the, the show's moving into having two sort of narratives. We're really seeing the characters' different stories, and the balance of that works really well. Uh, yes, as you pointed out, there are two plot lines: the A storyline and the B storyline. Mm. And this is also the first episode written by Earl Pomerantz. This episode was directed by James Burroughs. Jamie B. Jamie B. Jamie B. Storyline A. According to the title, is realizing that the women he dates are not smart. In which we get the appearance of Brandy with two E's, played by Angela Ames. Brandy with two E's? Big company like this, they spelled it wrong. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's a really sort of interesting episode that sets up 
quite weirdly, especially with Norm, who by this point has already been sort of established that he's got a wife. I don't like Norm in this episode. No, well, he doesn't do much, but it's just that one the thing. The stuff he does do is not okay. Yeah, he, he, he talks about legs a lot. If those legs are attached to anything, even a truck, I'm going to marry it. <laughs> he tries to buy Brandy drinks. He lights her cigarette for her. And he runs. He, he runs, runs across the bar. They all lost quite heavily over Brandy in this episode. Lost a lot of dignity for the show. There was, a, yeah, a few things in this episode which, by today's standards and mm. in today's society, are uncomfortable to watch. Luckily, Diane was the voice of reason, though. That's what I say. Ultimately, the learning curve is in Sam. That he yes. doesn't want to be like that. He's not the... Sleazebag. He's a sleazebag. He's a sleazebag. Well, he is. But he learns. What they did say about Brandy, though, which Carla said, was that they had Sam in mind when they built her, which, over the course of this episode, over the course of the season, doesn't remain true. Mm. Sam's taste in women changes. Uh, particularly at the end of the episode, you can see that he is attracted to Diane because he tells that story about the colours of her eyes. Just don't think I've ever seen eyes that colour before. Matter of fact, I don't think I've ever seen that colour before. I think I got a different meaning from it. Because the line at the end, I took as like an age-old thing he says to everyone, and he was making a point that it worked on her. He's learning, but he's not there. He's still trying to prove his point. But again, it's about that complexity of characters. I do have some trivia. The first appearance of Jack Knight as Jack, the barfly who orders... A beer with two E's. Beer with two E's. Beer with two E's. Exactly. And he'll be in this show for a few episodes, at least. <laughs> he has some episodes to come up. Some episodes. And you could see that the writers did not have much imagination for his character. Because his name was Jack. Because the actor's name was Jack and the character's name was Jack. But they could tell that we don't really need to do much well, with you. Yeah. Yeah, it's a common thing within the program. I think a lot of characters are named after their... A lot of recurring uh, yeah, characters. Yeah, B, B characters. And again, it's, it's part of that sort of realism where you don't really need to come up with huge backstories for people who are barflies. Sometimes people are who they are. It's very down-to-earth and real. They don't hold back. I agree, and I think a part of it is Leo's story where he's trying to find guts. It's yes. about a man just trying to get advice from a bartender. From a bartender. And it's that sort of grounded ability, but sort of... Ex accentuated into some kind of realm of heightened reality where he has to get to this one bartender who is the only person who can help him. And ultimately, Coach is trying to help him, but Coach is Coach. He's a bit deluded, bit whimsical, bit dated in his use, perhaps doesn't understand various aspects of what Leo's trying to tell him. But I think it's that thing as well, is the writing is wary of its time. And it sets up one thing which, at the time, I guess, would be controversial. It's not really now. We thought that Leo's son had a black fiancé mm. was the original setup. It's a weird bit because the punchline is then that his fiancé is a man. And watching that now, it's, it's a very weird punchline. It's a very weird thing. And Coach's response to it is, again, very dated. Leo... If you, if you're that unhappy about it, just throw him out and tell him you never want to see him again. Nicholas Colasanto credits to him because although he gave such a brutal line, he gave it with an air of confusion. One of the biggest things about these sort of setups and the sort of topics that it's covering is, although subject matter is very sort of a, of norm now, the thing which does stand out is that the character's ultimate takeaway is very of now. Leo's seeking advice. Coach in the end says, kick him out. But Leo's takeaway is, he's my son, I love him. Of course I won't kick him out. And it's a similar kind of thing with Sam and his approach to women is that he realises he wants a more mature relationship. Through the episode, he recognises that he hasn't really been able to engage with anyone and have a meaningful relationship. There's a lot of dated elements, but 
the message is about acceptance and progression and character progression. I think that's what the episodes have done really well. One thing I noticed in the episode was that when Leo first came, in retrospect, having watched the punchline, we know what Leo was looking for advice for. But when Leo first came, he mentioned that his son's fiancée was black, but that wasn't what he was upset about. Mm. And I feel that Leo... Although he was pointing it out, he didn't feel that was the big issue. That it was almost parenthetic that his son was engaged to a black person. And as we said, the writing in the show is dated now. But I did like that Leo didn't have a problem with the racial aspect or didn't seem to. Now, later in the episode, Sam, in trying to make a point to Diane that he can date smart women, dates Deborah. He brings Deborah back to the bar. In this episode, it is referred to that she is his ex-wife. And this was removed, I feel, because they were figuring out which aspects worked. And having a divorced Sam may have felt like too many layers for Sam or realized that they didn't really need Deborah as a character, either recurring or for a single episode. So when it's syndicated, they tend to remove that line from Carla and Diane, they tend to remove that exchange. Has he ever had a lasting relationship with a really intelligent woman? That's the best I've seen. <laughs> what about his ex-wife? That was his ex-wife. One thing which I thought was a discussion point, because it puzzled me, was that when they go into the bar, or when she's leaving, they say that they went to see Star Wars again. Mm. Now, this was released in 1982, this episode. So, something which puzzled me slightly, given the nerd I am, was which Star Wars they were seeing. I'm not sure whether you had that question also. Well, I, I assumed the first one, but it did run on screens for a very long time, didn't it? Yeah, and I, I looked into it for you fellow Star Wars fans out there who were unsure of which episode they were seeing. I looked into it, and Return of the Jedi was released in 83. So when they were promoting Return of the Jedi, in hopes to get more audience to see Return of the Jedi, they showed double features of Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope, and Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back. So throughout 1982, when they were showing teasers for Return of the Jedi, they showed double features of the previous two Star Wars films. So we can only assume the double feature. We know that Sam's a Star Wars fan. There we go. Yeah. Confirmed, I think. Which uh, brings us nicely on to Cliff Clavin Trivia Round. So my first question is a Star Wars question related to Cheers. And it's which Cheers cast member was also in Star Wars Episode Five? It's, it's not Norm, is it? Is that your answer? <laughs> My answer is Norm. <laughs> it's not Norm. Oh. It's uh, John Ratzenberger who plays oh. Cliff. And he played Major Bren Derlin in episode five. Oh, I, I have heard of this. This is a walk-on, isn't it? That's exactly what it is. Character is a loose term. <laughs> then again, everyone in Star Wars has a figure. The old and merchandise. And cheers, Star Wars. Merchandise. Crossover work. My second question much simpler one, because I had no idea what Diane was talking about when she mentioned one of the drinks in the opening scene. What is a CC water bag? A cocktail. No. It was a good guess. I went broad. You went broad. It's, Very a, broad. it's, a, it's an alcoholic drink. <laughs> it's a beverage. <laughs> Liquid. <laughs> Apparently, it is Canadian Club whiskey with a separate glass of water. Okay. So the water is a little finisher. Yes. My third question is, this is the first time we see the sign outside. First time we see a close-up of it, more specifically. Can you tell me, according to the sign, what year did Cheers open? 1867. Close. Closer than I thought you'd be. I thought you would have said 1982. Yeah. <laughs> but... <laughs> so 18... 
60. It's in the 1800s. I'm not, not going to get a point for this, but now I feel like we're doing the prices right. So, higher. 1891. Higher. 1894. Very close. Five. 1895. There we go. So, Cheers has been opened for many, many years. years. <laughs> <laughs> Such good research again there. Many years. Many years. If only I gave that answer when you asked me. So this has been Where Nobody Knows Your Name. I've been John. And I'm always James. And we've been great. Thank you for listening. Now go and get beer with two E's.